0: Welcome to our Holden Village podcast. For over 50 years now, Holden Village has traveled a rich history of faith that has transformed a copper mining town into a vibrant place of education, programming, and worship. Holden has sought to welcome all who seek contemplation and community in the remote wilderness of the beautiful Cascade Mountains. We continue to invite people of all ages to come alongside our rhythms, which inspire and equip travelers for a sustainable life of faith outside the village. And we continue to listen and reflect on our story and history and seek to discover our place in God's creative mission in our world. Our podcasts are a way of sharing our conversations with our teaching faculty around reformation, the reforming of our relationships with the earth, with each other, and with a divine. Let's tune in and join the conversation.
1: My name is Rebecca Wee. I'm a poet, and I teach creative writing at Augustana College, which is in Rock Island, Illinois. I am a longtime visitor to Holden. It's my favorite place to teach poetry. There's a book titled First Loves that collects the poems that first inspired various contemporary poets into their love for or the practice of writing poems. If you're a poet, you've likely had that kind of encounter, a poem or poet that spoke to you so intimately that you were marked. I have several such first loves, beginning with nursery rhymes and fairy tales. You might recognize this one. There was a little girl who had a little curl right in the middle of her forehead, When she was good, she was very, very good, but when she was bad, she was horrid. I was sure at about age four that that had been written for and about me, so I was both honored and chastened at being found out. (laughs) In high school, I discovered Anne Sexton's love poems and was awed by the first line of her poem, The Kiss, which reads, My mouth blooms like a cut. If your mouth blooms, it opens. It's a flower. It's lush and red and ready to smile, scream, gasp, swallow, kiss. But wait. If it blooms like a cut, it's a wound. It's bleeding. It hurts. It needs help. So that image, that simile, was exactly right, and I knew it well before I really knew that kissing was equal parts beauty and risk. And then in college, there was Marcella Taylor's creative writing class, which used as one of its texts, Carolyn Forché's second collection of poems, The Country Between Us. I didn't know the historical and political moment and events those poems were written for, but my whole being knew I was marked, not only by the poems, but by the poets whose works she referred to were cited outright. Antonio Machado's Walker, There Is No Path, you make the path by walking. Or Claribel Alegria's Some Moments Are Electric. And Nazim Hikmat's Turkish poet's incredible poem, Things I Didn't Know I Loved. As for Carolyn Forche, some years after college and after working as a textbook editor for a legal publisher, I had a you-must-change-your-life Rilke moment and decided that what I most wanted to do was sit in a room and listen to Carolyn Forche talk about poems. So I went to George Mason University where she taught and ended up working on her 1993 Norton anthology titled Against Forgetting, 20th Century Poetry of Witness, which introduced me to poets who had written out of conditions of extremity such as exile, censorship, and warfare. I have always had excellent teachers, an encouraging and talented family, and Jean Poole, and I became a published poet and a college professor of poetry, almost against my will. (laughs) But one of those poet teachers, Donald Hall, taught me that poetry is the unsayable said, and that it was a precious and necessary art for humanity's well-being. Billy Collins taught me the power of humor, although I have exactly one humorous poem, and I'm the only one who's amused by it. Shay, taught me the importance of music and of trusting the aleatory energies that bring poems to the page. C.K. Williams taught me to borrow voices of poets I admired as a way to expand and hone my own. Olga Brumas taught me to listen to the body and the pulse of poems, their physicality. Mark Strand taught me to attend to line breaks. So much help I've had that it's been a wonderful professional career to work with young poets and pass along what I learned and discovered. Holden Village is my favorite place on earth to teach poems. Not only do I not have to grade anyone, it's an utterly poem-full, prayerful, healing, and holy place which constantly sets poems before us all in the form of wind wind. Rock, bread, coffee, trees, trails, music, water, words, community and solitude, work and rest. Holden is where my faith feels most true and right. Some of my most beloved companions have appeared here as gifts from some power that knows better than I do what and who I need. So today, I just want to read a raw new poem that attempts to say thank you to all the beauty that makes Holden what it is. We might have lost the village to fire two years ago, and the evidence of the damage is harrowing to see, but it makes the place ever more mystical and real to me. Words can't get it right, but I keep trying. So here's my toast for Holden during this summer of beginning together. It's titled A Toast after the poet Ilya Kaminsky. A Toast. To the morning toast and funky toaster taking its easy time. To the ruby throat's sheen and thrum and the young buck's furred antlers. To violin song beside the creek's cold glitter and rush. To women on the lawn picking weeds from new grass and men making soup in the kitchen. To the magic of coffee and the rhythms of dish team. To the blackened trees, the new bridge and the bell to rocks shining and sliced and silicaed, to those who risked flame for this place on earth, to clean up and planting and all who have kept and made it daily, to clay, paint, hoses, ladders, looms, and chalk, to hammocks and books, tie-dye and henna, to the stalwart remains of the forerunner's stairs and the ghosts in the trees of Honeymoon Heights, To paper and ink, hammers, wood, metal rasp. To laundry, showers, and brooms. To the shriek and melt of children and ice cream. To the chipmunks and ants among us. To pookie and honey, gravel and dust. To fireweed and foam flowers and switchbacks studded with exceptional cairns. To walking sticks, water, apples and bread to the galaxies that bloom when the lights go out, to the moon, to the snow melt, to clouds. For all who make art out of silence and walls, to prayer and labyrinth, healers and hurt, to good courage at tables and rooms repeatedly multiplied, to midnight and pre-dawn, laughter and weeping, to velvet silence and song, and in thanks for God's voice in each stone and leaf and in each of our reaching hearts. So that's my little... Um, I am in the chalet that has this incredible view of the mountains, and so I sit up there and look out, and some of it's writing what I see, some of it is um, just the history of Holden. And I think the last thing I want to leave you with today is this poem that Peter Marty, who is my church pastor back in Davenport, Iowa, um, he introduced me to this poet, Brian Doyle, and specifically this poem, um, which I used as first word at Holden on Monday, the title of it is pretty audacious. It's called The Best Poem Ever, and the ever's in italics. (laughs) So yeah, it kind of sets you up right away to argue But you'll see what happens. So this is Brian Doyle's, this is what I think a poem is, and this is what I think even people who don't write or read poetry find when they're at Holden. So it's the best poem ever. What if, says a small child to me this afternoon, we made a poem without using any words at all? Wouldn't that be cool? You could use long twigs and feathers or spider strands and arrange them so that people imagine what words could be there. Wouldn't that be cool? So there's a different poem for each reader. That would be the best poem ever. The poem wouldn't be on the page, right? It would be in the air, sort of. It would be between the twigs and the person's eyes or behind the person's eyes after the person saw whatever poem he or she saw. Maybe there are a lot of poems that you can't write down. Couldn't that be? But they're still there, even if no one can write them down, right? Poems in books are only a little bit of all the poems there are. Those are the only poems someone found words for.
0: Thanks for joining us for another Holden Village podcast. Be sure to view the links in the description for more information, or visit our website to find out more about the village. We hope you will make a pilgrimage to Holden. Blessings and peace to you.